0: Thank you so much for listening to Once Again Guidance with Grace. I'm Grace and I'm Dustin. Welcome back to our second part of our three-part series on running. Uh, Last time we were kind of just talking about things that beginners or people who haven't been running in a long time should consider um, when starting up a running program. So we had a lot of tips, a lot of really good information talking about shoes and uh, the approach of getting back into running. Um, so this one we're talking about some common myths. So we're going to bust some myths related to running. And the first one, we're just going to dive right into it. Um, running wrecks your knees. I feel like I hear that a lot. That was like the number one thing I thought of and looking up online. Cause I was like, you know, what are other people thinking? I was looking up those things and it's definitely not a hundred percent true.
1: No, um that that's one of the mo- the most common ones that I hear is that it it destroys your knees. Um and running can absolutely cause the cause knee pain like when you start running, but mm. more more than likely it's not the running itself. It's a it's an underlying issue. Um mm. you know a lot of times you're looking at uh, you know, just the repetition of running. Uh, it's such a repetitive mo- you know, motion. You're in the same movement pattern. Um, you know, if you're new to running and maybe your first week of running, you pushed it too hard, you know, mm-hmm. you did more than what your body was ready for. Um, you know, and three can just be a muscle imbalance. You know, if you're, right. if your glute isn't firing correctly, then other muscles are picking up the slack and that can cause knee pain. So, typically from what i see it's not the running itself is that there's an underlying cause for why you're experiencing the knee pain mm-hmm. um you know as someone that has run a lot i've i've had knee pain but it's not from the running it was because my glute doesn't fire and my it band is really tight mm-hmm. so it's, right. it's not the running that was there's causing so it. many me.
0: reasons and Kind of what you talked about, you were mentioning how like you can't, like if you've been running the same way since you're eight years old, like you have to really pay attention to what you're doing. So adding supplemental things to running is going to be important to help keep the integrity of your knee where it should be um, strong enough to be able to run um, and also just kind of keeping it healthy. So one of the things I was looking up and found was like, incorporating more trail runs in between those flat and just kind of they don't really have like a a high grade like percent grade Um, if you are doing trail runs you're changing up the repetitive motion of running in the sense that your stride is going to be a different length if you've got you know, a different terrain. You're also using a little bit more stability, like stabilizing type of muscles because your ankles, you know, are on unsteady surface. What are your thoughts on trail runs?
1: Um, I love trail runs. Yeah. Um, because you're right. Trail running is a different, it's a different animal than going out on the street and just running. Cause you're trying to navigate these windy trails and there's roots and rocks and mm. yeah, you're, you know, your ankle moves in a you know different plane of motion Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a little more um inversion eversion when you're on the trail yeah and you're gonna have to slow down your pace you can you can speed up your pace and you're gonna have to move Mm -hmm. laterally to get around stuff and um yeah it does break up kind of that repetitive motion Mm -hmm. of when i'm on the road and i find you know you find your pace and you settle on that pace and then it's that pace for you know 20 30 40 an hour long however long you're running it's that same movement pattern so i'm a big fan of of trail running i think it's great for people to incorporate just because yeah it's a little different than going out on the on you on a road
0: yeah well like you said just now and also you mentioned uh last week was it gets that lateral motion you're gonna have to go around things and and whatnot so it gets you out of that front back that What is sagittal plane (laughs) yes yes (laughs) going back to my school days of all the different planes but it gets you out of the front back movement and forces you to sometimes go to the sides and just kind of directionally changing um, which is going to be a very good benefit we talked about that with resistance training and incorporating those types of movements so um, also getting that out of a run would be really good um, what was the other one that we were talking about with the knees? Kind of just.
1: So we were. I think we were talking about that uh, study with the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. With the heel strike and the forefoot strike.
0: Yeah, they were talking about like, oh, well, if you f- strike on the forefoot, it's going to cause possible knee pain over time. Right. Right. And then striking with your heel could just kind of get rid of the knee pain or avoid
1: it yeah so one of the one of the common th- myths and or things we talk about in the running community is is avoiding the, the heel strike um because everyone says it, it's gonna that's what's gonna wreck your knees it's gonna wreck your ankles is, is the heel strike and um this study had found that if you land on, on your forefoot um it actually caused more knee issues which makes sense when you think about the mechanics of running when you land in your forefoot, um, your knee is in a position where it can move more in abduction or go into you know, more extension. So it makes sense that you would have more knee pain. But on the flip side, in what the you know the website that you found that on with that post of the study, when you re- read deeper into the study, they talked about while the forefront, forefoot can cause um, knee pain, the heel strike can actually maybe cause pain in the lower leg in the ankle Mm -hmm. so i mean the reality situation is i mean it's not ideal to heel strike you spend more time on the ground like especially if you're trying to go faster Mm the the in the faster distances if you watch people that um run like the mid distances in the the olympics and stuff and really any more like a 5k Mm -hmm. they rarely heel strike Mm -hmm. they're mostly in their forefoot because they're limiting contact time with the ground
0: what which makes their run more efficient yeah so i would see why forefoot is recommended also
1: yeah i mean i would i would always recommend forefoot but um you know everyone has a different Mm -hmm. gait everyone has a different running running pattern so if they if they heel strike it's likely not the end of the world but they may not have knee pain but if they start having you know pain in the anterior compartment of the lower leg or in the ankle it could be caused by mm-hmm.
0: then that's by the heel strike. time to kind of reconsider what your stride is like and right. if you should change your striking pattern right yeah and and that's kind of you know it's not like it doesn't wreck your knees or it does but there's like dustin said there's an underlying reason it, it kind of goes back to anything you do repetitively without changing it or supplementing it with resistance training or what we call uh, in the conditioning center prehab types of exercises. Um, if you're, what was your example? Bench press every day. Yeah. More than likely you're going to end up with some kind of issue. Maybe it be in your shoulders or your wrists or, you know, what have you. If you do something every day, Um, running is just easier because it's so repetitive. It's one foot in front of the other the whole time. Right. Um, that's a very unique thing to running. Um, there's not a lot like, I mean, cycling, you know, any type of cardio thing would be a little bit more repetitive, but anything you do without changing it up, I think is going to cause some issues. So yeah, running doesn't necessarily wreck your knees.
1: (laughs) No, not necessarily more, more likely it's. It's a different underlying issue than Mm -hmm. the actual running.
0: Right. Finding a happy balance between everything. All right. The second myth is runners can eat anything that they want to. I like this one because often people think, oh, well, you can just, you know, you're burning all those calories. And we mentioned uh, last week about how you don't want to just eat anything.
1: No. (laughs) No. No. you know your your caloric ex- expenditure for running it, it varies on your pace and your weight and how you know how far you ran and, and stuff like that. So on average, if someone runs for an hour, they're burning, you know, we'll say 600 calories. That's about average around that that number. Mm-hmm. 600 calories. I mean, that's a good that's a good caloric expenditure for a workout, but that can easily be undone in in a meal or, you know, one meal, let alone two meals. So, yeah, yeah you you can't just eat whatever you want yeah. while, while you run. Um, I mean, unless you're just running, like, insane distances where you're burning, you know, thousands of calories oh my every day. But uh your typical... Uh, weekend warrior, you know, normal person. No, you can't yeah. just eat whatever you want.
0: So just not spaghetti dinners every night and mm-hmm. garlic bread.
1: And... No, we'll we'll get we'll get to carb loading. In <laughs> yeah, a little bit. so
0: let's talk about carb loading. Uh, we had an episode about carb loading, and I think Don mentioned Don Lobenthal, associate professor over in Sport and Exercise Studies. Uh, he had done marathons, plural, I think, in the past. Um, and is pretty well-versed in the nutrition and diet arena when it comes to whether it be strength training or cardiovascular exercise. Um, And I think his example might have been spaghetti or something, Um, which I think is a common thing when runners specifically are looking to carb load. So um, if you don't mind kind of refreshing our memories about what carb loading is, and then something that might be beneficial to consider when you are trying to carb load and maybe the benefit of
1: it yeah so carb loading is a is a practice that a lot of endurance athletes use um it's where as you get closer to your event you start adding in more carbs into your diet to um you know fill your glycogen stores um so that way when you when your event comes you know you have plenty of glycogen in the body and you should be able to you know do your do your event and last the whole time and hopefully not get as tired Mm -hmm. um what typically people overlook is you really only need to like truly carb load for an event that's like longer than 90 minutes your body naturally has enough glycogen stored to get through an exercise that is less than 90 minutes typically Mm -hmm. so like when my athletes are like oh I got a carb load for 5k I'm like (laughs) you don't need to carb load for the 5k no
0: yeah (laughs) Um, that's funny I didn't know some of them say that
1: (laughs) yes and that's a common thing yeah everyone you know even the college athletes like oh we got a carb and I I think it's more mental than anything for them um, at this point but yeah they They're very big on I have to carb load for my 30, you know, 30 minute race or 20 minute race. And it's like, well, you'll, (laughs) you'll be okay.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, so typically with with carb loading, they'll say about two or three days before you start increasing your, your carbohydrate intake. And it's normally about 10 to 12 grams per kilogram of body weight. Mm -hmm. So that's really not a ton Mm -mm. when you think about it. Um, So, and even when I, when I've done marathons, people always ask me, you know, what do you do, you, what do you do with your diet? Like, do you, does your diet change the week of, I'm like, no, my diet is pretty much the same through, mm-hmm. through that week. Maybe add in a touch more carbs, but I don't really play around with my diet very much mm-hmm. um, in that week up'
0: Cause it can kind of mess you up if you're doing a big event and you haven't ever done that before. Right. I've heard horror stories of like changing your diet last minute and your body not being able to have enough adjustment time.
1: Yeah, no, you don't want to do a complete overhaul. And that's the thing with carb loading is you are loading up on carbs, but it's not this just all I'm eating is bagels Mm -hmm. and bread and pasta. I mean, you still need to get your fat and your protein and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's not just all about the carbs.
0: Right. Well, and your carbs can also come from things like fruit. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't have to all just be breads
1: and things like that. Right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when you're, you know, if you're doing an event that is longer than 90 minutes, that's when you're looking to do the, the carb load. Um, you know, a lot of people will ask about taking stuff during a race so mm-hmm. or an event. So if you're, um, you know, doing a run that um, is going to take you between, like, 30 to 75 minutes um, – you can take something minimal because mm-hmm. your your glycogen will have come down a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they say that you can do like a like a mouth rinse, which I've never done before. Mm. Um, it's a little different. Yeah. So I, I've never done the mouth rinse. That's so I weird. Can't... I don't
0: know they have like a mouth rinse. Yeah. It enters your bloodstream still.
1: Yeah, I think it's just. However, it. I don't really know exactly how it works. But you, oh. you like swish it around and then. I don't know if It's absorbed through. Yeah. yeah. It's weird.
0: That is weird.
1: Um, so I've never used that, but but <laughs> yeah. you could use like a like a goo or a gel or something, and mm-hmm. still get the same the same benefits. But definitely, if you're doing something um, over an a, like an hour, um, mm-hmm. like if you're doing a marathon, it's going to take you, you know, three, four, five hours. You definitely want to be taking in carbs during the race. So however that comes, I mean, you know, if it comes in the gels, the goo, if you know you're comfortable okay. eating like a solid food in the middle of that,
0: yeah more power to you (laughs) yeah i don't know how too much to do when you're running in my in my opinion yeah
1: so that's where you're looking at carbohydrates during um during the event and then Mm -hmm. like leading up to it the the day of um you want to take in about 150 to 300 grams of carbs um about three three hours before four hours before Mm -hmm. and then leading up to that and just like small amounts um Really, you don't want to eat eat a bunch of stuff like before, yeah, right before your event. Like cause so. an upset stomach and right.
0: whatnot. Yeah. Well, and kind of just going back to the general diet too. Like, if you are running, maybe you're maybe you're training for something, maybe you're not. But if you're just eating whatever you want, and kind of going back to that myth of runners can just eat whatever, you're not going to get any better at running if you're no. eating junk food and crap outside of your runs no you have to properly fuel
1: yeah you're gonna feel very sluggish if yeah you're eating just whatever you want and then trying an a run <laughs> yeah
0: yeah if you look at the calorie part of it yeah maybe it would kind of equal out you'd burn the same amount you're eating and that but you're not going to get any better and if anything i feel like it would cause some digestion and yeah just having a poor diet and we all know what that leads to it's just not yeah. a good not a good thing yeah Um, The last one definitely want to hit on is the static stretching before you run. Um, There's a a misunderstanding about the proper warm-up. Static stretching um, is often seen as like, oh, we can do this for a warm-up. Really, it shouldn't be done ever before any type of exercise, whether it be running, lifting, you name it. Uh, That is an after-you're-done-exercising thing. Right. Right. Um, the main reason why, and I'll let Dustin talk a little bit more about this and maybe what you do before the runs, um, that you have is static stretching is a relaxing thing for your central nervous system and your central nervous system is kind of the, it's your brain and your spine and it's controlling and you're, you're telling your body to now relax. So it's also communicating to the muscles that they should relax. So if they're going out before a run, fully relaxed, that's going to lead to some issues. And we were looking up different uh, research studies that were done and they're actually connected to causing injury. A lot of what we found or what I was looking up was like um, Achilles tendon area or glute or maybe glute, but I found a lot of hamstring Yeah. things. Um, we mentioned it in the last episode, some things that you do before the run, but did you have any other thoughts about static stretching before you run?
1: Um, it's something that I've gotten away from for myself and with my athletes. We do mostly dynamic stretching to start off with. So that's like your, your leg kicks and the, the hip cradle and stuff. Um, and then after that, we go into um, kind of like bounding and skipping
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, like high knees and, and butt kicks and stuff like that because it, it they're quick, um, explosive kind of movements. Mm-hmm. And that gets the body ready to run which is again a quick explosive movement exactly um so i don't do the stack stretching unless it's at the end afterwards Mm -hmm. it's not a bad time to do it like if you're going to do it that's the time i would do it is after your event but leading it before no i mean i I wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it
0: yeah and that goes right along with my official release aka foam rolling yeah um i see a lot of people who do that before um, and science both of us have degrees in exercise science uh, science says that it's not a good thing to do before anything that you're trying to get hyped up for that's going to do nothing but calm you down right, right so it can lead to some problems in the future so we're just going to stick with three main myths because there's a lot and often they're kind of interconnected and and yeah. whatnot so but hopefully that kind of helps clarify some of the main ones. Um, We have one last episode on running and we're going to hit really hard on resistance training and maybe come up with some different um, suggestions and and approaches to make sure that your training is the best that it can be. Because a lot of times people are training for something that's later in the summer. So you're getting Mm -hmm. it in your prime time. So hopefully we're catching you before You've gotten too far, too close to your events if you have one. If not, these are really just, we're going to have some good stuff. Absolutely. Just for anybody who's just, what do you call it, a weekend warrior? Weekend warrior. Yeah, I like that. All right, so definitely tune in next week for resistance training and running. And then um, just as kind of a heads up, we do have a workshop coming up on resistance training and running shortly after that. So lots of good stuff if you're a runner. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. We will see you guys next week. I'm Grace. I'm Dustin. Have a good one.